It's a movement, but it's about people. Be the People is about we the people joining forces to reclaim and reshape the best of our nation's time-treasured traditions. Each week, we offer insightful interviews with movers and shakers from all different spheres of life. And now, please welcome Dr. Carol Swain. Welcome to another episode of Be the People. America is in the midst of a racial divide. We see blacks and whites being pitted against one another. We watch as conservative voices are silenced and we find ourselves in a new situation politically and socially. But sometimes, often in the midst of the, all of that, we encounter stories that inspire us and give us hope for the future. And my guest today is a young woman who has an amazing story as a black woman, and I'm not calling her African-American, I'm gonna call her black. She may refer to herself as African-American, but I'm gonna call her black. She's 22 and conservative, and she's going to share her story with us today. Her name is Shekinah Geis. She has a story that I hope you will find very rewarding today. Shekana, welcome to the Be The People show. Hi, thank you for having me. And first tell our listeners where you were born and raised. So I was born in Tupelo, Mississippi, and I was adopted at two weeks old. And um, my family is from Colorado, and I've lived in Colorado ever since. Okay, you were adopted at two weeks old. Yep. Mm-hmm. And tell us about your family. Um, my birth family or my adopted family? Do you know information about both families? I do. I do. I know. Okay. About well, let's do the. Bit. Okay. Well, let's do the birth family uh, first. Um. So, well, my birth mom was 15 years old when she had me, and she. I was, I was the first and, um, her name was Marsh. Her name is Marche and she knew that she couldn't take care of me. And so she put me up for adoption at a Christian adoption agency. I know that I have four siblings, but other than that, I've never met her, but I know that she wanted to give me a better life. And she chose a Christian family through this adoption agency. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, do you intend at any point to try to track down your birth mother? At some point, yes, I would love to. Absolutely. And have you known uh, this story for most of your life or when were you told that you were adopted? So my parents from the very, very beginning told me that I was adopted and told me how much my birth mom loved me, but she couldn't take care of me. They told me from the very um, get go. And actually, my parents were going to um, adopt my sibling, my brother at one point, but that fell through. But yeah, I knew from a very, very young age and I wrote letters to my birth mom for a long time. And do you believe that she received those letters? And as far as your siblings, were they also adopted out? Um, so I, I'm pretty sure she did find the letters because um, the adoption agency was able to give them to her. And then my other siblings, I know that, um, well, I know that 
I'm pretty sure those were the ones that she gave birth to. But my my parents now that adopted me, I have four siblings and one other is adopted and the rest are just um, by blood. So. Okay. And um, the unusual part of your birth family, uh, would you share that with your listeners, with our listeners, and how that uh, may have shaped your view of America? Yeah. So um, my family is white. I was adopted by a white family and um, I was the first black person to graduate from my high school, the uh, Christian private Christian high school that I went to in um, Northern Colorado resurrection Christian school. And I think that it's one of the biggest reasons why um, I became a conservative because I learned about so many different cultures and I was always raised not to see color. That was never a discussion in our household. I was never taught that racism was something that um, was going to hold me back. And so I really think that changed um, my perception of the world and how I view America. I can attest to that because even though I was born in poverty, large family, I was not taught that racism was gonna hold me back even though I was born at a time when you really had systemic racism. And the world you were born into uh, is quite different from the world that I was born into. Because at 22, uh, for Black people, there's every opportunity. And then I saw opportunities for myself. So it's uh, disheartening when I hear young Black people complain about racism and use that as an excuse for not achieving. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel it is really sad. And I almost feel that it's a type of bondage like it really does hold people back because they really believe that their skin color is something that um causes them to have difficulties in life and I, it, it is sad and i that's why i started doing what i'm doing because i think it's so important that black people realize that they can do anything they want and they can be successful too and did you go through any difficulties early in your life uh, as you became more aware of race that you were black, that you belong to a culture that pretty much in many ways we are dysfunctional. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sure in college you were exposed to theories of oppression. Uh, how were you impacted by all this knowledge uh, that you come from a disfavored outgroup? Um, well, it never, honestly, I was raised so well and like, growing up that was never really a discussion I never saw my race as an issue I excelled and I excelled in all my classes I played three different in instruments I played sports I danced so I never let my skin color define me and the people around me didn't either so that was such an amazing culture to be raised around but the minute that I went to college in Illinois at Olivet Nazarene University um even especially the black community on that campus, it was like a driving factor that I'm oppressed and I should feel that way. And I can't be conservative. That was a huge part of the discussions that I would have. And I was told a lot that I was brainwashed by my white family and that I didn't know what I was talking about and that I couldn't think for myself because I didn't, I didn't stay in line with their way of thinking. And so I think in college was probably the most difficult time um, experiencing that and 
like waking up to this realization because before that I didn't spend a lot of time in the black community. So it was such a wake up call and such a different culture shift for me to um, hear these different types of ideas that I really wasn't raised around. Now, were you called an Oreo or maybe uh, you weren't, uh, sometimes they say that black people are not really black if they don't buy into the narrative that they are oppressed. So did they consider you, your classmates who were black as a fellow black traveler or as someone, you know, that really was culturally white? Well, the biggest thing, I think most of them acknowledged the, like they didn't say that I wasn't black, but the biggest thing that I got from people was that I was an uncle Tom. Like that was, that was being spread on campus. People were coming up and telling me, just so you know, this is, this is how you're being perceived on campus, regardless of color. Like this is what people are saying about you. And that, that was probably one of the biggest things that I got was that I'm an uncle Tom. I assume that was hurtful. Had you read the uh, book, Uncle Tom's Cabin, did you know what they were talking about? Well, so uh, it was hurtful, but at the beginning, I didn't even know what that meant. I didn't even know that that, I didn't even know what that meant. Like I had to educate myself on that. And once I did, I thought it was so interesting that they were used, were calling me an Uncle Tom because Uncle Tom was a hero and he was a hero in the book and he's, and he freed the slaves. So after I learned that, it really didn't bother me. And even then growing in politics, I've learned to just brush it off. But in that moment, it was definitely difficult. We're going to take a break. And when we return, we'll have more of your story. Carol Swain here to tell you about my good friends at Churchill Mortgage. Churchill is a national company that was started in Nashville, Tennessee, with a commitment to educating clients about how to save money and time on home loans and refinancing. Churchill can help you get out of debt. Pick up the phone and call them at 888-562-6200 or visit them on the web at churchillmortgage.com. Tell them Carol sent you. Spreading the out loud truth from sea to shining sea. AmericaOutloud.com is the voice of liberty and justice for all. This is not a fight of Republican versus Democrat. It's not a fight of rich versus poor, old versus young, man versus woman, gay versus straight. It's not a fight of black lives, blue lives, Hispanic lives, or white lives. This is a battle of good versus evil. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. We are the vision of the voices, America Out Loud Talk Radio. I'm back with my guest, Shekinah Geis, and she's sharing her amazing story. And so, uh, Shekinah, was it in college when you became involved in conservative politics? Yes, because that was the first year that I was able to actually vote. And so I decided I'm going to research and I want to know exactly what my values are and I want to know who I want to vote for. And I knew after researching that I wanted to vote for Donald Trump and I knew that I had conservative values and I knew that the left was destructive, like, And even with my race and like with all these different things happening, I 
really decided to start educating myself on conservatism. And it became something that I became really passionate about. And would you share with our listeners uh, how you approached uh, your self-education? One of the biggest things that I did is I looked at both platforms. I looked at um, Hillary Clinton's platform and her vision of America. And I looked at Donald Trump's platform and his vision of America. And um, not only that, I I really just researched the different ideologies, not just their policies, but like what is conservatism and what is liberalism? And I looked deeper into the cultural issues that were most important to the left and then to the right. And after doing that research and just being raised in such a well-functioning family and um, having a father who's really educated economically and with finance and business, I realized like the importance of fiscal conservatism and economic conservatism too. And so I think that was, that was basically my path towards conservatism and researching. And I know that you were featured in a documentary about young black conservatives. How did that come about? So I, um, Candace Owens is actually the one who invited me to the first black leadership summit. And that's when I got to go to the white house and hear president Trump speak. And that was such an amazing experience. And that's when I became really passionate about politics. But it just so happened that um, Vice was there documenting the whole thing. And they heard about my story and where I come from, my social media. And they really, really wanted to take advantage of that. And so from there, I just talked to them and they ended up flying out to Colorado and filming me and doing this whole documentary with me. And Vice, could you tell us more about that group? Yeah, so they're they're basically a giant... I would say left-wing media company that that does um, short documentaries and they have a lot of different TV episodes and news updates and cultural updates and stuff like that. So there was a pretty big deal when they chose you if they are pretty left and they thought your story was worthy of being um, pursued. Yeah, and my family was definitely especially my dad, they were definitely definitely cautious about that because they knew how easy it is to spin things and how quickly um, a lot of these media outlets will spin things. And so it was definitely a risk too, but I'm glad I did it for sure. And so you were pleased with how they presented your story? For the most part, yes. I was actually shocked how they presented it because it was, there was definitely a left-leaning slightly, but they were actually fairly neutral and told the listener, the listener to make their own decision. So I was surprised about that. Well, that's great. I'm glad you uh, had that opportunity. And you are now considered an influencer. Uh, would you share with us about what you do to influence other young um, men and women? And also we'll follow that, follow that. I will also follow that up with a question about uh, the new changed environment that we as conservatives will be confronting. But my first question is like, what do you do as an influencer? Well, the biggest thing, well, getting started into it, all I knew is that I wanted to show everyone, especially the black community, that there's no reason why you can't speak your mind 
and say your views and it's okay to be conservative. It's okay to hold those traditionally conservative values and fiscally conservative values. It doesn't make you white. It doesn't make you brainwashed and it can make you educated in so many different ways. So my biggest goal on my social media was to counter, counter the narrative, counter what the media was saying. And not only that, but be more informative too and show people that there is truth to conservatism and we do have truth on our side. And it's been such a cool journey because there's been so many people that have reached out and grown from just following my page. But it's, um, it's always a constant battle to learn and get new information, especially in a world where the media isn't being honest. You are absolutely right, uh, Shekana. And as we, as we move you know, into 2021 uh, and we have a new president uh, with a new agenda, do you think that other conservatives who followed Donald Trump, young Blacks, will they uh, stay on board or will the frightening environment for people who share views that are not liberal, do you think that will push some of them back into liberalism out of fear? Um, well, I think that during this whole election fraud incident and just last year with BLM and all the riots, I think it kind of forced a lot of people to pick a side and whether or not they're going to stand with President Trump or go towards the left. And I think there's a good amount of us that are sticking, standing with truth um, and staying with President Trump and what he envisioned for America. But I think one of the biggest issues that we're going to be going into in 2021 is whether or not people are actually going to pick a side and stand up for our country because the Biden administration has made it very clear that they're going to reverse everything that the Trump administration has done within the first 100 days. They have plans to completely change and shift the foundation of America. So I just, I'm hoping that people can stand strong in the midst of adversity because it's, we're definitely going to be looking at a new and different America. And I think that it's going to be very important for us. Like it's not just, you know, standing with Donald Trump. And I agree with you that there were so many election irregularities and voter fraud that took place across the country, not mm -hmm. just in battleground states. I believe that it will be important for black people to take a leadership role when it comes to testifying in the state legislatures about the importance of election integrity and that that should be one of our number one issues. Another should be free speech because if you don't have free speech, you're in bondage. Yeah, absolutely. And that's because the biggest thing is people think that since Donald Trump is gone, all of our work is not that all of our work is done, but people think that we're just going to fall off the face of the earth because we only did this for Trump, but this is far past Trump. This is about election integrity. This is about the future of our elections. And this is really about the future of our country and our Republic. And so that's what's really, really, really going to be important. And freedom of speech is going to be huge because we're seeing a lot of, a lot, a lot of infringement on freedom of speech. So it's going to be really important that we fight for that because that's something that we're going to be dealing with in the, the near future. 
Another thing I'm very interested in is that you attended a Christian college, right? Yes. Uh, and apparently, well, I'm not going to uh, make this assumption, but at least some of the experiences you've had doesn't sound very Christian. No. Um, I think the biggest thing is, yeah, it, it is claimed a Christian university. And that was what was most shocking to me is because I didn't expect that coming from a Christian university, but also through a lot of sports programs and a lot of different areas, they were recruiting people that were not Christian. They were recruiting people that don't really have a strong um, view of Christianity. And so, and I truly believe that a lot of these people were not actually Christian. They were atheists and not just because I'm trying to make a judgment on them, but because a lot of them said so. And so I think that also was a reason why these people were attacking me as well. Well, I have discovered, and it's not a hidden secret, that many of the Christian colleges and universities have uh, faculty members teaching courses on Bible and Christianity that are not believers. Mm -hmm. And they're almost there only to challenge the faith of students that were raised in conservative Christian homes and when young people are sent to Christian colleges by their parents, their parents think they're sending them to a safe place. And so what you have shared with us uh, today sounds like that it may not be so safe. If you go into a secular school, you know what to expect. But if you go to a Christian school, you are assuming that there will be some shared values and principles and that you will have a lot in common with your fellow classmates and faculty members. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and that's one of the biggest things that I want to stress to people about college and about getting an education is just to be grounded in your faith and know what you believe, because there, it doesn't matter whether you're in a secular school or a Christian university, um, that your faith is going to be tested. And there's a lot of people that want to test your faith. And I believe that atheism is, is one of the number one growing religions in America. So it's really important that we stand firm in our foundation of Christ. That is, ex that is excellent advice. And uh, Shekinah, what did you major in? And I know you're an influencer. What are some of the other things that you do? Um, so my initial major was um, political communications because I wanted to get into like political commentary. And that's still one of my major goals is to get into more political commentary. But, um, and then what was the other question that you asked? Uh, just your, um, I think I asked about, uh, <laughs> I asked about your major, but I also asked about other things that you're doing. I know that you're an influencer. So okay. being an influencer is not necessarily a full-time job. No. So, well, I travel a lot and um, go to different events like Turning Point USA, and I just became an influencer with PragerU, so putting out a lot of content for them. And then through Blexit, I've done a few speaking engage engagements, and I've started speaking a lot more. Um, and so I do travel a lot um, with these for these organizations, and it's a great way to build connections but also it's just been able to really grow my speaking skills as well. And then um, I just continue to really try to break through on my social media and grow that platform a lot because 
a lot of the younger people, especially on Instagram, that's where they're getting a lot of their information from. So it's really important to engage younger people too. And where do you see yourself, let's say five years from now, 10 years from now? I know these may be questions you haven't thought about, but I have a feeling that you have. Well, in five or 10 years from now, I'm really, I'm really hoping to have my own show. That would be one of my major goals is to have my own show. And that hopefully is going to start um, later on this year. And um, another one of my major goals is to um, work with different um, news outlets, not necessarily the mainstream media, but a lot of the upcoming conservative um, or like, I guess, more middle grounded um, news outlets like OAN and Newsmax and things like that, and being able to um, do more political commentary. And then hopefully my goal is to have a book. I would love to write a book. I think that'd be really cool too. As well. well, those are certainly are worthy goals. And as we as we're discussing these issues, we are operating in an, an environment where big tech and the radical left would like to shut down all the conservative voices and platforms. And so even um, One America News and Newsmac, mm -hmm. all of those places are being threatened. Yes, absolutely. And that's what's really scary because we've seen this happen in other points in history and how dangerous it is. So it is scary what the left is trying to do because they're trying to silence any voice of or reason or even middle ground, a middle grounded stance on things. It's almost impossible to be a moderate nowadays because they just, there is no tolerance for anything except for the leftist type of thinking almost. I agree. And I go back, you know, to race. And I feel like that we are at a point in history, if you're a black conservative, the left will go after you. But I think that there are some things that you can say that maybe white people are not comfortable saying, and mm -hmm. that we will have to lead the charge when it comes to non-discrimination, because we know that with the critical race uh, theory, that all white people, including your parents, are demonized. You know, they're the oppressors. And, uh, and there seems to be a shaming and a bullying that takes place against people because they happen to be born with white skin. And I've run into white people all the time who feel like they can't speak up for themselves. Uh, they own the defense. Uh, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, it's very scary because they're really trying to completely demonize and degrade the white race. They use everything in their power to make white people seem evil. And even within my family, there's people in my family don't, that don't feel comfortable sharing things because the left has demonized whiteness so, so much to the point that we should be concerned. And so it's really important that we stand up and we use voice and make ourselves heard because they really are trying to create a division and create a civil war, in, in my opinion. Well, we're gonna take another break and when we return, we're gonna have more of this conversation, but I'm gonna give you an opportunity to talk about some steps that we might be able to take to keep young people engaged, especially young black conservatives. Be The People is sponsored by Cooper Steel, a family-owned business that provides the steel fabrications for buildings across the Southeast. 60 years ago, Kenneth and Faye Cooper founded the company in Chevyville, Tennessee, which started as a vision is now a nationally recognized company 
that remains true to its founders' Judeo-Christian values and principles. Cooper Steel is committed to excellence, responsibility, and community. Its motto is build strong, stand strong. It treats its employees and customers like family. Learn more at coopersteel.com. I'm back with my guest, Shekinah Geis. And Shekinah, we're at this point, and you are an influencer. You're making a big impact. Uh, What can you and people like you do to keep young Black conservatives engaged? Because if they are not strong in their faith, they don't necessarily have the same grounding that you do. And so these people who came into the movement because of Donald Trump and because of what they heard about conservatism, they are under and will be under increasing attack. And so like it strikes me as a now or never movement that we have to find a way to keep these people uh, on board. Your thoughts? Well, I think one of the biggest things is we have to counter culture. And this is difficult because the left dominates almost every single industry. So it's really important that I think conservatives start actually competing against giant leftist organizations and stuff like that. So on social media, I think we're doing a great job of actually combating um, what's going on on social media in terms of the left. When I and when I say that, I mean influencers, a lot of conservative influencers and people with opposing views that you can actually follow and look into. But I also think a huge thing that is going to keep people more engaged is how can we counter the left when it comes to Netflix, when it comes to entertainment, when it comes to music, when it comes to all these areas that young people are really, really interested in. And so we're seeing a lot more conservative um, and clean music artists come out. We're seeing a lot of people trying to create their own movies and film and stuff like that and start their own talk shows. And I think those are all going to be huge things that keep conservatives more engaged. And not only that, but maybe cause leftists to um, recognize and see things from a different light. And so I think that's gonna be one of our biggest goals because that is something that we're struggling with the most right now in America is the culture and the culture that's being thrust upon young people and the lack of innocence that young kids have now when they're watching TV. And so I think those are gonna be huge parts of what builds up young people's faith, but also um, causes them to stay in a mindset of what true conservative values are and how we can express them to other people in a way that's more engaging. You make a number of excellent points. And right now we find ourselves in a situation that because the big tech outlets and also the mainstream media, that they have so much influence, the conservatives are really going to have to play catch up and be on the defense for a while unless the U.S. Supreme Court steps in and reaffirms the constitutional principles, you know, such as free speech and freedom Mm -hmm. of press. And I think a lot of the opportunities for us will be very dependent on what the Supreme Court does. Yes, absolutely. And because and that's really, really the biggest issue is we're starting to see issues with airlines um, refusing to fly people that are conservative or Trump supporters. We're seeing 
talk of banks not banking to certain people. We're seeing talks of, and especially with Apple and our phones even, and the apps that they're denying or removing that um, have a free speech like platform or tend to lean conservative, they're attacking it all. So unless the Supreme Court does step in, that's something that we have to think about too. And I think as Christians, you know, we go back to Christ and Mm -hmm. uh, the Bible, and we know that we are going to be persecuted and everything in the world is in flux and it will always be in flux, but we have our faith. And I think that that is what would carry us through because it's possible that things are going to get a lot worse, that it's not going to get better. And so the one thing that we can do is pray and grow in our faith and be prepared for boldness. Like you're a bold young lady and there are many other people that are bold. And so when you are talking of young black conservatives, a lot of them say, well, I'm libertarian and libertarians, sometimes they just wishy-washy. They go with whichever way the wind blows. Yeah. And I think it's important for young conservatives to be granted in faith. Yeah, and that's that's gonna be a huge thing is being grounded in faith because when you're not grounded in your faith, you become more wishy-washy on a lot of issues. And in terms of like, people becoming more libertarian. I don't think that some people realize how big of an impact culture has on on younger people. And so there's a lot of things that I think conservatives are willing to tackle that libertarians don't necessarily want to tackle because they believe in the freedom to do whatever you want, which is true. But I think if we're going to actually counter the culture and make an impact, we're going to have to talk about issues that you're just naturally not necessarily going to talk about as a libertarian unless you're more of a conservative libertarian. But yeah. Shekana, thank you so much uh, for being on the Be The People podcast. And I'd like for you to tell listeners how they can get in contact with you and learn more about you. Thank you. So on Instagram, my Instagram handle is real, S-H-E-K-I-N-A-H. And then on Twitter, my handle is real S-H-E-K-I-N-A-H-H, two H's on that one. And then on Facebook, I'm Shekinah Ruth. And that's my social media. If you guys want to follow me and um, get to know more about my views and my views on conservatism and where we're headed in America today. Well, I am so uh, excited to get to know you and I will be following your career very closely And I know that a lot of my listeners will be checking you out and hopefully praying for you. And uh, it encourages us to know that there are young people out there like you. There's hope for the future. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. And for everyone else, remember, it's up to us to be the people who change our nation and our world. And so until next time, Shekinah Geist has left us with a lot of positive things to think about. <music>